Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome, everybody, to a very special and different episode of the Lindsay Elmore show. If you listen to Tuesday's episode, you know that this week we are talking about all things related to life, death, and the legacies that we leave behind. Today's episode is just me. No interviews, just a heartfelt letter written in honor of my grandmother. Let's get to the show. Welcome to the Lindsay Elmore show a podcast for people who deserve to be healthy with honest, open, and enlightening conversations with doctors, thought leaders, creatives, and spiritual gurus. You'll walk away with simple and tangible tips and tricks that allow you to live your healthiest life so you can pursue your dreams, overcome obstacles, and leave your mark. The Sad Guru says that if you want to be truly happy, Wake up every morning and realize that you are still here, still in this body, still living this earthly life. Hooray! To be even happier, think about the 10 people that you love the most in the entire world. Did they all wake up? Pat yourself on the back, friend, because your life is truly extraordinarily blessed. On the day when my grandmother, Bobby Louise Dykes Kemp, died on January 28th of 2021, one of the 10 people I loved the most in this world did not rise to see the sun. I realized with great sadness that one of the people who loved me most in the world, who loved me as much as anyone has in my entire life, and I will never share another moment on this earth again. In the time since her death, I have marveled at the years I had with her and wish I could take back all the times I didn't answer the phone when she called, all the times I made her wait while I was doing other things, and all the times I wasn't fully present when I was with her. My mom asked me to speak at my grandmother's funeral. Now, I pride myself on being a lifelong teacher. I have spoken on stages in front of thousands of people all over the world. I mean, I'm here hosting this podcast right now. Yet, on this occasion, something stopped me. I just could not wrap my head around it. How do I sum up my grandmother's life into just a few brief moments 
how can I truly convey the impact she had on the world and more specifically the impact she had on my world? I knew walking into the room that I was not going to deliver my best speech at her funeral. I couldn't bring myself to plan it. I just kept pushing it off in my brain. It broke my heart in a way. I've given speech after speech after speech, and yet I could not do it for my grandmother. There was a place in me that was too scared to access it. Something in me felt so much guilt and anguish over the unworthiness of the love that she had offered me so freely and with seeming ease for years, and yet I could not speak. I eventually accepted that I couldn't plan this speech. I found a peace with it, and I made a promise to myself that I would simply be present and take it all in, all the moments, and then I'll process them later. I allowed myself space to simply grieve. I didn't turn on any of my professional genes in this moment. I simply felt how it felt to feel how it feels and told myself I would come back later and write this that I am reading to you right now. So here we go. Here is the eulogy that only time could tell. The result of processing the life and death of Bobby Louise Dykes Kemp. At least what I've processed so far. Here's to you, grandmother. You deserve it. When I was young, my grandmother taught me two things that were life-changing. Meditation and typing. Now, it sounds like an odd pair of lessons that can change your life. Yet, as I typed out what I am currently speaking to you, I did it quickly and without looking at the keys as my hands glide smoothly across the A-S-D-F-G-H-J-K-L semicolon. I'm struck by how few women with grandmothers born in 1929 had childhoods where they sat for hours studying their grandmother's typewriter. I spent time using it to write pretend letters just to practice formatting and later helped my grandmother to painstakingly produce a legacy of family albums of genealogy. Typing is a skill that has accompanied me to the highest heights of education and has become so entrained in me that it's like second nature. My grandmother started meditating sometime in the 60s or 70s. She told me that meditation was when you focused your mind on one word and gently watched that word swing back and forth in your mind. She recommended using a word that ended in ing because it swang back and forth more easily. To make the swinging seesaw action, you just simply observed the word, darling, 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 back and forth. 
Being around people that meditated exposed my grandmother to more people than the average 1960s housewife was exposed to. I remember once asking her about her collection of Scientology books she had on her shelf, and without missing a beat, she says, well, I have some books and they have some interesting points, but I don't want a thing to do with their religion. I look back on that now and realized that she had the powerful discernment to see the brokenness of the world and still remain focused on morals and ethics and belief structures that she was raised in. She never defected to any of those hippies. But she learned their valuable ways that meditation can help her and help me remain calm through the tumultuous waters of life. My grandmother was never naive. She knew the ways of the world and she just decided not to participate in them. She worked in an office with dozens of men and very few women. She taught me and taught my mother that when a man comes on to you, you just firmly tell them no and do not waver from it. I can still, to this day, look a man up and down on the street and he'll know that I'm just too much to deal with. That evil eye that she taught me has served me so well as I have traveled the world always attempting to stay out of dangerous situations, but understanding that no means no is something that she taught me was my right as a citizen of this world. One of my favorite photos of my grandmother is in a room in a business meeting where she is surrounded by hundreds of men and she is the only woman in the photo she learned at this job where she was with all of these men taught her computers taught her how to type taught her how to learn earn a living and she was not someone who brought work home something I've always admired in her She always had way too much else to do. Truth be told, my grandmother was always a woman of many, many hobbies. She carefully and lovingly crafted our family's genealogy into albums that still impress me to this day. She was an avid modern coin collector state quarter collections from both mints and gold dollar albums scatter throughout all of my family's home. Though cumbersome, large, and obviously patriotic on the shelf, I wonder how on earth I will ever bring myself to break down those quarter collections because I remember my grandmother making them. She also loved to paint She recorded and followed Bob Ross tutorials and produced some impressive amateur works. Though I know she didn't truly love doing it, she spent hours quilting bedspreads and pillow shams for my mother 
simply because my mother asked her to do it. She played cards, taught me to play dominoes, and did puzzles until her eyesight failed her. Though she never won one of those black signs from the beautification board, she maintained her yard meticulously, fighting the eternal battles against pine straw and magnolia leaves. The hedgerows in front of her house were beautiful and strategically cut so you wouldn't scrape your arms as you walked past them. After my grandfather had a heart attack trimming the hedges, my grandmother had them cut down, never to return to their former towering height. Grandmother had so much humor. I remember her laughing heartily to the point of tears on multiple occasions. Once, she told me the story of the most meaningful Christmas present she ever got as a child, a Betsy Wetsy doll. She had begged and begged her parents to get it for her, but these two poor Alabamans were just trying to make it through the Depression, and they assured her that it was well beyond their reach to get this doll. She said that the overjoy she felt opening that present of that doll was still enough to bring tears to her eyes 40 years later. She never failed to laugh at herself, and uh, some of the stuff we laughed at her a little bit <laughs> from love. She mispronounced everything. She always went to Walmart and to Guadalajara and Wachovia Bank. We got to just drive down to that Wachovia Bank. And she always had very particular speech patterns that... Me, my brother, our cousins have all perfected. My grandmother always desired a simple life. I am a lot bolder and a whole lot more defiant of the status quo than my grandmother was. Once she and I rode with my paternal grandmother, Mimi, to swim at the local pool. We accidentally left something at home. And it was decided that my grandmother would take Mimi's van to retrieve it. I stood there with my grandmother next to Mimi's car, impatiently asking her, like, let's go. What are we doing here? And grandmother started to cry. She'd never driven a minivan, never driven a car that big and was scared. Mimi ended up driving me back home to retrieve the item left behind. And my grandmother apologized profusely for being unable to overcome the fear. Now, fast forward a few years, and my granddad bought the largest minivan I'd ever seen in my life and used it to travel around and watch my brother play baseball. All of a sudden, my grandmother stepped up to her fear and drove that van all over the place. And I wondered where that fear of driving big cars had gone. But that was my grandmother, not always willing to kick out of the box, but able to rise to the occasion when it was clear it was what she had to do. She showed her resilience and her long suffering after the death of her, her son, Steve, and in the turmoil that had led to his death. 
I remember her once telling me that not a day went by that she did not remember that she loved him and that she missed him. And I remember as a child thinking, that's, that's unbelievable. How could you so many years later still every single day recall the life of this person? And yet in my grandmother's death, I understand that much more thoroughly now. Every summer, she went and stayed for months on end at the lake. And I'll never forget how she walked to the payphone to call us almost every single day and tell us how much she missed being with us. When I would go to visit her at the lake, we would watch video cassette recordings of Matlock and Perry Mason and Murder, She Wrote and the Golden Girls, and especially that one where Sophia had a boyfriend that was scandalous. When she wasn't at the lake, she would methodically track the punch in the newspaper about when her favorite shows were coming on, and she would record them with enough detailed attention that she paused the recording during the commercials, meaning that you never had to fast forward. One night in the camper, I slept on the kitchen table turned bed and I started to shake. I didn't know what I was feeling. I was conscious, so it wasn't a seizure, but I was having convulsions very similar to a tonic seizure. In a low voice, I said, grandmother, something is wrong with me. It is astonishing to me how moms can instantly wake up from a deep sleep at the sound of their child in need. My grandmother awoke and before she, before I knew it, she was dressed and ready to take me to the emergency room if that's what needed to happen. Thankfully, the moment passed and the shaking stopped and there was no need for such a grim evening outing. The concern she had for me that night as an adolescent was the same as it had been when I fell off of her retaining wall at age three. She made me stay awake to make sure that I wasn't getting loopy. I know now that that shaking was probably part of a traumatic release, but that's a story for another day. My grandmother gave me one of the greatest gifts of my life, deep love that carried me through my lifetime. My grandmother was the most patient woman I've ever known. When I was a child, I remember her always being ready early always happy to wait on a ride. She had a heart of gratitude. I mentioned before that my grandmother is long-suffering. She took her son's untimely death with quiet and gentle acceptance. She lived with a man who didn't love her like she deserved, not because he didn't want to, but because he couldn't truly love himself. And yet, through all of it, She created such joy. I look back and I wish I had done so much more to show her how much I cared. 
I look back on all those times that she waited on me when I could have been on time. And how she always said, it's no big deal. I aim to be as patient and as loving and as grateful as she was. To her very final day, my grandmother was kind. Even as she slowly lost her faculties, forgot about her whereabouts, and couldn't even name people who she loved dearly by name. She was never combative. She never sat, she never spat back. She even cracked jokes with her bathers and her caretakers. One one time she asked her bather, Honey, how did you get into this work? And her bather, who is an angel walking on earth, said, Well, Miss Kemp, it's a it's a long story. And my grandmother said, It's okay, I've got plenty of time. Even days before her death, she sang alongside of me. And the last video I have of her is, We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. We sat by her bed in the middle of my mom's living room, the quiet murmur of church music playing from an old CD player. I asked my mom to do a meditation with me. As synchronicity would have it, the guided meditation we chose contained words that have stayed with me and continue to bring tears to my eyes and implore me to think about life differently. Sarah Blondin reads in her meditation, To the simple, the plain, ordinary life I get to live, I would like to say thank you. I would like to share my most sincere gratitude and love and appreciation to the simple, the plain, the ordinary life. I get to live. I would like to say a most sincere thank you for all of this glory that waits for me to turn my gaze toward it. I thank you. I love you. I thank you. I recognized in this moment, look around. This is it. This is all You get this one life, this simple life, this seemingly mundane life. And yet there I sat with my mother at the end of my grandmother's life. And that is all there is. This is the very height of how love plays out in real time. After five days of being with my grandmother, I had to leave my mom's house and go back home. And it was an agonizing decision, but one I had to make. We never expected her 
to still be there at the end of five days. I rushed down thinking that I might miss her end of life. And as I prepared to leave, I just sang over and over softly and tenderly. These church songs that I've known for so long took on new meaning. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling, oh sinner, come home. After being home for a few days, I planned to drive back to Alabama, but there was no longer a need. In her sleep, with such amazing grace, the angels bore her soul off to pick tomatoes with her sisters. When we arrived at the funeral, I was astonished as I watched my family members roll in. The era of coronavirus has taken so many moments from us, moments of celebration and grief and a plethora of emotions along the spectrum. There were 45 people at her funeral, which in and of itself seemed miraculous. After the funeral, my family proudly hailing from West Birmingham all piled in to the back of the Bright Star restaurant, and it is every bit as good as you remember it being back in the day. As I looked around the room at all the 45 people in one single room in 2021, I realized that I was related to every single person. From my great Aunt Anne, my grandmother's last living sister, to my great Aunt Linda, my grandmother's only remaining sister-in-law, both of them the babies in their respective family, I saw my grandmother and grandfather's nieces and nephews gathered around. Many of the children and grandchildren played around in the room. And it was a rare extended family encounter. It may not sound like much, but these people all gathered to celebrate my grandmother's legacy. This room was filled with people who loved her. And she loved them. She was our elder. And I marveled. That means that every single person in that room had known my grandmother every single day of their entire life. It gave a whole new meaning to she is survived by her sister, Anne Hunt, her daughter, Kay Gassaway, and her husband, Tom, her granddaughter, Lindsay Elmore, grandson, Jake, and his wife, Lauren, as well as great-grandsons, Walker and Ty, as well as multitudes of beloved cousins, nieces, nephews, and longtime friends. I looked around that room and grieved not only over the loss of my grandmother, but of the fact that I used to see each and every one of the people in this room every single year. 
most of them multiple times a year. It's a bygone era. There are so many lessons that I eternally value that my grandmother taught me. She was an anchoring cornerstone in my life. She always put family first. She was connected to her family and her community. She inspires me to craft my own meaningful, lasting relationships with my brother and my cousins. She reminds me of the power of a loving church and the importance of showing up for the people who matter the most to you, even if sometimes you have to patiently wait for them. She continually teaches me that true, deep love of others is the best that we get in this life. That this simple, seemingly mundane life is all there is, friends. It's all there is. So you better enjoy it. Since my grandmother died, I have looked back with wistful eyes at old movies, old songs, and think of a time that we somehow think of as simpler or more genteel. And with sadness, my adult brain knows that none of these times were truly simple. None of them were truly easy. There is now and has always been grief and loss and struggle and heartache. My grandmother persisted through all of us and she loved me so much, even though there is a risk of loving other people. Her forgiving heart reminds me that there is no need to lament on the state, on the mistakes of our past. We all carry with us hurt and bruises. Our simple work in life is just to do better each day than we did the day before. This and this alone will help us raise better generations who do better than we all once did. She reminds me of the huge benefit of stability. Stability I sometimes cling to too tightly because of the perceived loss of stability in the early part of my life. She reminds me that when we create love and pour it into our community and our families, we create safety and security and stability for all people. She propels me to see myself as never unsafe and instead inspires and empowers me to be a beacon of safety who is capable of creating safety and stability for others. While we all mourn the loss of loved ones and the things that we once considered normal, my grandmother reminds me that it is with the solemn acceptance that the risk of the loss of love is better than to have never loved at all. Love flourishes in the knowing that we have access to extraordinarily deep 
levels of love. And that there is a risk that that deep experience will come to an end. While I will never see my grandmother again in this life, and I will probably continue to feel guilty for all those times that I undervalued her, even though she would encourage me to let it go. My grandmother powerfully inspires me to keep her legacy of love alive. To say her name and remember her with kindness and to share the powerful lesson of putting others ahead of yourself. Grandmother, may my voice rise to you and may you celebrate every day up there in the heavens. May you always and forever know the power that you had in my life. And that the joy I feel in my heart knowing that you live on ethereal without the pain of the human body that eventually failed you. Thank you for standing beside me through so much pain and so many mistakes that I made in my life as it truly taught me the overwhelming value of love, simply loving others. This one short life is all we get, friends. May we craft love around us everywhere that we go. Thank you so much for listening to the special week about grief and loss and the end of life. I'd love to invite you over to my website, lindsayelmore.com slash podcast. There, you can view a collection of photos of my grandmother, and may we all continue to celebrate her legacy. Head to lindsayelmore.com slash podcast to see more. Way too many people out there go to the doctor looking for solutions to real problems that they have in their lives and are met with a brick wall where the only solutions offered are either medications or surgery or, hmm, let's just check it again in six months. The system is broken, friends. And far too many people are left without options of knowing how can I heal myself and correct the root causes of what is genuinely making me sick. That's why I am so happy to announce that I have a new subscription platform. It's called Wellness Made Simple, and it is a one-stop shop for everything you need to know about how to course correct if you're already experiencing symptoms or how to prevent symptoms from happening in the first place. This is not a place to come and find out about the nitty gritty and the perfect combination of supplements or the exact right way to eat to be well. 
This is a place where you can get together with people who understand that sleep, stress, food, exercise, and relationships really matter to our overall health. From now until August 30th, you can lock in introductory pricing for life. That's only $29 per month. Head to wellnessmadesimple.us. That's wellnessmadesimple.us to sign up today and lock in introductory pricing for life. The Lindsay Elmore Show is written and produced by me, Lindsay Elmore. Show segments are produced by Sue Procco and Kelsey Lorman. Production design, sound design, and editing is by Jive Media. If you have a question about this or any other episode of the podcast, send us an email to hello at lindsayelmoreshow.com. And hey, since you're still here, take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And while you're at it, go over and follow us on Instagram at Lindsay Elmore Show. This helps us bring the pod to more people.